Hans, but I heard you and Scotty talking about something that I want to get to that has to do with Utah scheduling LSU. You saw that over the weekend that they scheduled uh, Louisiana State University in, what, 10 or 11 years, something like that, home and away? Yep, 2030 and 2031. Okay. And uh, that's that's exciting news. And the Utes are trying to beef up their schedule in certain years. Uh, but fill us in, fill in our listeners on your discussion with Scotty about Utah upgrading its schedules, but on certain years, in certain years, not being able to play BYU. And your evolving opinion on this, because I've been a, a strong advocate of Utah and BYU playing every year. But you have sort of been evolving away from that. Tell us what you're thinking. Yeah, I've almost felt like I've had to, though, a little bit, because it, it is what it is. The college landscape is so much different here, not only from when I played in in college football here in the state at BYU, but from what it was when I jumped into sports radio in 2006 and really what it was in 2010, 11, 12, 13. You've been doing this for 14 years now. Hey? Yeah. Yeah, this is my fourth. This will be my fifteenth season covering on air. So, mm. been in it a long time, and you know, I, I it's it's what it's evolved to. And we're watching Utah schedule a home and away with Florida and LSU like it's nothing now. And we're watching BYU beg Notre Dame to come back and give them a return trip. But BYU is uh, has upgraded its schedule in a major way as well. Well, right? yeah, they have, but you're not seeing them get a home and home with LSU or Florida. You know, you, you thought you had one with Notre Dame, and now Tom Homo in his super secret, um, whatever that, you know, that thing that he does. His, uh, his uh, summit conference? Conference or whatever. The only one of two times that we ever get to hear from him. He said, well, we're, now we're looking at maybe Notre Dame in a neutral site. And it's like... It's it's just crazy. So Utah is they've got the power to get a home and home with Florida and LSU. So bring Florida to Rice Eccles Stadium and bring LSU to Rice Eccles Stadium, and that's great. Now BYU is doing a good job. You know they're they're doing what they can in Independence to get some of these teams to return, even if they're having to give a two for one. They're they're, they're trying to get some of these bigger teams to return. Well, in the grand scheme of things and the way things are, are starting to work in Utah's favor is they really don't need BYU. And I, I think scheduling LSU or scheduling Florida and booting BYU for Florida, I, I think that it's kind of a, a double win for Utah in a sense. Number one, I think Utah leadership and I think Utah fans feel like they're kind of sticking it to BYU when they bump BYU off the schedule because BYU needs Utah and Utah no longer needs BYU. And so I, I think that that's, you know, one way for them to get the victory it, it, or it's a, it's a different sense of victory because they can say, well, we don't need you. So bump, bump them off the schedule and we'll bring in Florida. We'll get Florida at Rice Echo Stadium. That's a, Really nice coup for them. You know, that's a nice feather in the cap. It looks good. But what we're seeing is when when they're scheduling the Floridas of the world, or now LSU of the world, they're not bumping San Diego State off their schedule. They're not bumping Southern Utah off their schedule. They're not bumping Weber off their schedule. Because I think it's in three years, they've got Florida at home, 
then I think they're at Baylor, and then I think they've got Weber or something to that sort. Uh, I want to say in two years, it's Florida, Southern Utah, and San Diego State. They're not bumping San Diego State. They're not bumping Wyoming. They're not bumping Southern Utah. They're not bumping. They're bumping BYU. Same thing with when they originally scheduled Michigan. Remember? Yep. And they used that as their explanation, and yet they were still playing. Who was it that year? Hans Fresno, or uh, I think it was Fred- Southwest I- Missouri, something or other. Yeah. I, yeah. So BYU gets bumped. Now here's the. This is the difficult pill for BYU fans and BYU to swallow. It's the right thing for Utah to do for their program. It, it, it's, it, it's, it makes sense in what they're asked in their conference scheduling to bump the more difficult of the three. If, or of the two, really. Once you schedule Florida or Arkansas or Baylor, or even though they've got Baylor and Florida, I think, in the same year, you bump your rival because of everything that comes with it, the emotional baggage, the extra effort, the the push, the unknown. You know, I I think even Kyle Whittingham would admit that this stretch has been a lot more difficult. This streak has been a lot more difficult to maintain than anybody could ever imagine. I think Kyle hates this game. He hates the BYU game. I I think he does, too. I, I think that that he actually uses that as anger and motivation to beat them. Like, we have to do this. We have to play them. It's on our schedule. And we are going to – we are not going to lose this game. And I I think it's an extra level of motivation. But it's it's just a more difficult game for them. So, okay, so you leave BYU. Somehow you leave BYU and you bump San Diego State in a year that you got Florida. Well, you better not put BYU after Florida, and you better not put Florida after BYU, and you better not put BYU before your conference opener. So then, do, are you able to use a buy between BYU and your conference opener? Well, do you want a buy before you really get into conference play, or do you want a buy later down in, in your conference scheduling? And so it just doesn't make sense for Utah to keep BYU on their schedule. It the way the conference forces nine games in conference scheduling, it doesn't make sense to keep BYU as one of their three games. So you're saying it's because it's too hard? Yeah, because it, it, it I think it adds a level of fatigue and an emotional drain that Southern Utah won't, that San Diego State won't, that Wyoming won't, that Weber won't. Yeah, I do. I think you I think Utah goes and plays BYU in Provo and then the following week no let's say Utah plays BYU at Rice Eccles Stadium and then the following week has to go to Louisiana State. It's a, it's to me it's a lot more emotionally draining the, the weeks of preparation leading up through camp and everybody's expectations and and then the big presentation and the week of 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 play is really difficult. And Kalani's got BYU up and running and gunning and they are doing everything they can to get off this this losing streak and Kyle's doing everything he can to keep this streak alive and the players are well aware of what their situations are. You know, if I'm a Utah player, if I'm a senior at Utah right now, and, and I think this upcoming season is going to be one of BYU's best opportunities to beat Utah in a long, long time, talent-wise. 
Uh, I think Utah is having a huge drop off in, in losing a lot of guys to the draft. Now, they are plug and replace. They're doing a really good job of, of plug and replace. But BYU is going to have a nice senior led and very deep and talented offensive line. And, you know, now you got Devonta Henry Cole coming back and as a running back, and you've got. So you got Tonga and Bushman that forewent the, the NFL draft to come back for their senior year. So you've got a nice stable of talent coming back for BYU. Those guys are loading up. They're running and gunning to get off that streak. We're talking about it nonstop a month leading up to the season. And then they play that big game and then get on a plane the following week and go to, to, to play LSU in Death Valley. To me, it's way different than opening up the season against Southern Utah or opening up the season against Weber or if you open up the season against LSU having to return and instead of playing Weber, having to go play BYU in your stadium. I'm trying to paint a picture of, I guess I'm trying to put my myself in the shoes of those players. And the, the level of expectations and preparations and emotions that go into the in-state rivalry as compared to anything else. So if I'm Mark Harlan or if I'm Kyle Whittingham, I ask the question, wait a second, why? Well, because it's the rivalry. Yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not our best benefit. It, it doesn't, that's not helping us achieve our ultimate goal. Yeah, but it's great for the state. Yeah, but is it great for our team? You know, we watched Utah State have to go play LSU in the middle of the season. I think that the guys that scheduled that and signed off on that, I think that they should have to put $100,000, $200,000 in the coffer. I think that they should have to pay every one of those Utah State players that had to go out and face the national champion Louisiana State Tigers in in Death Valley, I think they should have to pay every one of those players a $1,500 bonus for going out there fatigued in the, in the middle of the season and, and, and for a payoff. Because, you know, that's the, that's the level of difficulty going through something like well, that. Well, then why is Utah scheduling LSU then if they have the Pac-12 schedule first and foremost? I, I think an opportunity to bring LSU to Rice-Eccles Stadium and an opportunity to bring Florida to, uh, to Rice-Eccles Stadium is, is pretty fantastic. But it's hard. It's difficult, but that's why you don't add more difficulty with it. Is there? Do you think that there is a, an advantage to Utah uh, beating a, a team like BYU added to their schedule, if they can get by it, does that toughen them up, okay, uh, well, having l- handled the rivalry and all that? Okay, let me ask you this, and Austin, I'll throw this question at you as well. Um, does Utah beating BYU in, in a given year, an, an unranked, I mean, we haven't had a, a ranked BYU team in 10 years, right, that finished in the top 25? So an, uh, an an average BYU team that we've had over the last 10 years, does beating that BYU team do more for Utah than beating San Diego State? Or beating Wyoming? Uh, it wouldn't unless BYU beats USC, Tennessee, and Boise State in a season. And San Diego State doesn't. San Diego State loses to Boise State, loses to Utah State. 
which I don't think that's how it went down, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I I guess, and it, and it is, it's tough to paint that picture because any given year, somebody could have more influence based on it what, depends, what, yeah. Yeah, what their resume is, but I don't, nowadays, I don't think beating BYU because it's BYU is a better win than beating San Diego State. I agree with that. Don't, it's who BYU beat that yes, changes my argument. Exactly. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't the SEC and some of these other conferences don't they consider BYU a P five caliber opponent? Some of them uh, do. Some uh, of I them think, don't. I think the ACE. Do they? I think the ACC, San Diego State and, that way. Probably not. And the no, SEC so. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. BYU has a higher profile nationally than San Diego State does, I think. Well, you know, I, I, I think at this point where you've got 10 years that has gone behind you and, and BYU hasn't done a lot, I, I just think that it's, it's a good win is you, what it is. Do you think that, uh, that it should be taken into consideration what your fan base wants? Now, I know that there are – some Utah football fans who are past the BYU thing, who especially the younger ones, who don't really care about that game. But most, I'd say most, based on the information I've uh, seen through the years, most of uh, Utah fans, and certainly BYU fans, want to see the game played. Uh, does that factor in at all? No. No, I, I no because the, the the people that are making the decisions on scheduling are trying to figure out the best schedule to give the flash and pizzazz, but also give them the best opportunity to win the South and represent the Pac-12 championship game. But if it doesn't really, if the non-conference has no effect on that particular goal, what difference does it make? Well, at that point, then maybe just giving variety. And I think that's why majority of the year you're playing BYU. Majority of the time in a given year you're playing BYU. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Going to 2031, we'll, we'll see. And it's not that they haven't scheduled them or haven't bumped them. I, I can't remember if their current contract runs out through 30 and 31. I don't think it does. Uh, but, but certainly the indication is that on certain years – the rivalry will be skipped. Right, that's the yeah. trend of, of scheduling these teams. But it, it feels like more often than not they're playing the game. So I think that's appeasing people. Now, if it went, it went away permanently, you know, then then I guess you, you got to throw the question out there, how bad are you missing it? Yeah, okay. Uh, what do you make of what BYU is doing with its scheduling? You look at this this coming slate, this, this next season – Pretty tough, Hans. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Is it too much for that program yes. at this point? And are those guys going to get absolutely not just worn down but beat up? So I'm I'm setting my expectations at six and six. You know, I, I want them to get bolt eligible. Anything above six and six, and I think this team is achieving. And I think that I think that the staff and the players and everybody should be acknowledged for a great season anything past 6 and 6 and 6 and 6 is lofty you know that's that's still a really tough goal for this schedule yeah i do think it's ridiculous gordon let's, look at the let's look, look at it look, look at the look at the look at how the 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 world of college football is separating itself yeah. you and jake went at it and i agreed more with you than i agree with jake on the, the, the division of Power 4 and now Power 5, the Pac-12 and the gap between the Big Ten and the SEC. So you think about that gap, and then you've got to add another Grand Canyon between that and BYU. And now I think you've got, what, six 
Power Five teams on 2020? This is with a schedule for you for BYU coming up this year at Utah, uh, playing host at home to Michigan State, at Arizona State, at Minnesota, which has become a greater challenge than we. Then playing host They're going to be fantastic. Utah State at home, then Missouri at home, then Houston at home. Then you have NIU, okay, that's a game on the on the road. Well, I guess that's a neutral site now in Chicago. Then you have an off week and then you're at Boise State. Then you play host to San Diego State. And then North Alabama, that's a game at uh, Lavelle's place that you would expect the Cougars to win. And then traveling to Stanford. Yeah, so six. Six Power 5 teams on that schedule. And plus Boise State and Houston, which aren't exactly gimmies. Those are tough, tough games. And Utah State. And Utah State. That is a tough schedule, man. That is a tough schedule. Well, You think it's too much? Yeah, I think it's too much. Even for this uh, I, I, a, a and, team that you expect to be a little better. And, time, and the right? problem is this conversation actually stirs up quite a bit of animosity and anger in me. And, and it's tough because I think Tom Homo is doing everything he can to keep independence exciting and exhilarating. But in the meantime, BYU is underpaying everybody. They are, they are, they're running the business as if it's, you know, you're scheduling this empire and you're running this little community. And it's just not, it's not conducive for wins and it reflects poorly on coaching staffs and players and, and eventually recruiting. You know, if, if you put together a couple of five and seven seasons or worse, you know, with with records like the, or with schedules like this, then it it gets it just makes it more difficult. It's like taking a uh, a uh, what a uh, sixty two Corvette, uh, filling it with maybe uh, lead free gas, and then putting it up against uh, a nitro fuel dragster. And then when you lose, who gets the blame? It's the players and the coaches. Yeah, the players get beat up. The coaches get uh, criticized, but they don't have the backing to really be successful against a slate like that. Yeah, and that's that's what's frustrating to me. And so it's hard because you know your your casual fan, but it, really when I say casual fan, some of them don't even listen to sports radio because sports isn't that impactful to them. Right. But they'll tune in on a Saturday because I grew up a BYU fan, and I'll watch them on a Saturday. To them, they're still in the mindset of. Well, they should have right. a chance against them. Right. And they don't understand this chasm that lies between the two. And they don't understand that BYU is literally, they are killing giants when they beat some of these teams. When they beat USC last year, they, they killed a giant. They caught them in a great scheme in the right time. They got a couple of really great plays and turnovers, and they slayed a giant in that moment. Okay, so Hans, when we come back, I want you to make a list of what BYU would, would have to do in order to be competitive with a schedule like that. All right. Sounds good. All right. We've got Durant. Yeah, we got Durant on from TridayTrading.com. Durant, how you doing, man? 
Doing good, guys. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, and we just really want to educate people as to what TridayTrading.com offers and, and what it's about. Kind of set the basis of what Triday Trading is. Yeah, Triday Trading is a way that we can all learn to get into exchange and make some trades and make some extra money. And uh, what I love about it right now is there's a always uh, you know, webinars going on, and there's also a ten dollar thirty day trial that you can give it give it a shot. And that's what I'm doing right now is doing some um, personal one on one coaching and learning how to do it myself. And as you know, the proprietary indicators are are, are super easy to, to to learn to get in there and get the program. And uh, it's just a really good thing. To- and, and learn how to get some money coming in. You know, you listen to Durant talk about that demo account. It's so simple. It's $10, and that $10 all goes to charity. And they set you up with the software. They'll give you some of the personalized coaching. In that demo account, they'll teach you about the fully funded account that you'll be given once you go through your coaching and you graduate through your, your different assignments. And you just understand how you can make money in the live day trading market. And it's, it's exactly. fun. It, it's, it, there is a real sense of energy to it, isn't there, Durant? Like it's, yeah, there, there really is. It's a whole lot of fun. And, you know, it's actually a little bit addicting in a way because you're learning how you, you're either going to be making money or finding ways to, you know, make the right trades. And it's, it's, it's a fun thing to be doing. Go to TridayTrading.com. You can join guys like Durant. You can join guys like me and Scotty and Alema and everybody that's jumping into TridayTrading.com. Start up with a demo account. It's a great place to start. That and the webinar. TridayTrading.com. Thanks, Durant. Thanks, guys. Songs about cheating today. Thanks to the Astros. Now LeBron is popping off, saying how ticked off he would be if he found if he lost a title because somebody had cheated in some way. He'd really be angry, Hans. Oh yeah. You mean like tampering to get Anthony Davis? <laughs> and you know, I would suggest I would suggest to LeBron what I suggest to everybody: call Action Plumbing. <laughs> Get your preseason furnace tune-up and safety check for 33 bucks. Call 801-833-3333 or actionplumbing.net. Because when your plumbing works, everything works better. Yeah, yeah, you don't want backed-up plumbing. Everybody's starting to pour in on this and, yeah. and weigh in on this. I liked what Judge had to say. Yeah. You know, he deleted the tweet where he congratulated Altave and said, no, I was sick to my stomach. I just don't think it holds any value, Aaron Judge said about the Astros World Series title. You cheated, and you didn't earn it. Yeah. This is uh, this is a chorus that's breaking out around. Well, there is some real injustice going on, and these players are watching an entire team get away with winning a championship by blatant cheating, high-level cheating, high-level sign-stealing, it was it would 
there is an amount of that that goes in on in, sure. in every single sport. Uh-huh. In, in football, I, in, in the NFL, in, in every level of football I played, you know, as a defensive tackle, I'm picking up on your cadence and I'm trying to time your cadence. And then when I pick up on the cadence, maybe I can get a jump on a third and seven. When but you I, don't have a video camera in right, your helmet. Exactly. I, I don't have a recorder that's firing it back, that's putting it through an algorithm that is telling me exactly <laughs> what is coming. And then I know for a fact. I still run a little bit of risk. Oh, I'm going to jump this call. I'm going to jump this cadence. And I might get a flag, and it might make it third and two instead of third and seven. You know, so... It, it, there's some level of risk. There was no risk in this. You hear that garbage can hit four yeah. times, you swing low. You hear it click two times, you swing for the fastball. And it was the algorithm and the backfield camera, and it was a science. And like Austin said, guys lost their jobs. And guys were embarrassed and demoralized. And hardware was handed out, you know, multiple pieces, ALs and, and championships and all those things, AL MVPs and all those things were handed out. And that's where you really get in trouble. You cheated and you won the biggest game on the biggest stage. And now people want somebody that's to pay. Right. They do. And uh, Manfred, uh, the commissioner, has uh, been weak to- milk toast about the whole thing. And people are upset about it. And I don't blame them. Not one bit. I mean, you took the integrity of the game and just tossed it aside. I think if you look. And- at the faces of the Houston players as they've been out there publicly addressing this issue. They have been hurt by this. Oh, geez. Uh, well, oh, <laughs> they still geez. got the trophy. And they, you know, oh, it's, yeah, it's just you, you take the quality hitters at, uh, on a quality team in, the, in, in professional baseball at major league level, and they know what pitch is coming, look out. I mean, you look out. These guys are too good to have that kind of advantage. Yeah, and there probably what there was probably some level of risk. I bet they missed on some. Probably hit the wrong beat on the can a couple of times. <laughs> but the mixture didn't hit the paradiddle the, quite the, the cleanly. Mixture, yeah. The technology involved with the banging on the trash can. I mean, it's just it's just that's my. Oh, fault. the technology to the archaic nature of of hitting a garbage can is pretty. <laughs> It's funny. Crazy See, stuff. it makes a different ring with a hammer than it does with a, a, a spoon, a spatula. Exactly. Yeah. If you hear the hammer, swing low. No. If it's a ting, 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 don't swing. But so, if it's a boom, boom, boom. We, uh, Hans, we talked earlier, we listed all the problems BYU has uh, the football program when they go up against a schedule like they're going to face in 2020. And this, uh, this tweet comes in, says... Uh, the LDS Church has been in the news lately about how much money their businesses make and the assets they have. I appreciate the fiscal responsibility, but not allowing the BYU football team to meet its full potential is a shame. It can be done without tithing dollars. Uh, you listed some of the problems. What could fix BYU's uh, issue with overscheduling and trying to continue to build a program that is uh, essentially has one arm tied behind its back. Well, see, I, I think that BYU is trying to make some strides. I, I, there's been some changes made on the athletic side in the athletic department with some of the higher up management of the athletic department. And I do know that there's a level of optimism in, in, 
in the office and, and around campus. I, I know what that. changes are happening. Um, I, I think it was a was it the president that was that was called on uh, to to serve as a missionary president. Uh, the, the president of what of of athletics at BYU. There was there was some mm. big wig that was called to be a mission president. I sorry I don't know his name uh, because I I'm, yeah Matthew Richardson. So he was uh, removed from the equation, as he, it were. Yeah, and and I I do know that they are trying to. They're trying to put people and things in place that show a higher level of importance to the growth of the football program. Now, we're seeing the basketball program do really great things right now, creeping in at number 23 in the country, and, and they're doing some great things. And, and I think Like Mark, hitting over 50% from, uh, from the field uh, every time they go out and play, which is remarkable, and they lead the country in three-point percentage. And I think a lot of people will point to that and be like, well, if the basketball team could do it, the football team should be able to do it. And, and you say? And that's not the case. Football is so much more expensive. You know, you're talking about a roster of 14 as compared to a roster of 85 or 98 or whatever it is. You know, it's it's a much more healthy and needy, but also an organization that makes more money when when it's up and running the right way. So, in your if you were going to list out a, a whole list of uh, suggestions, what would you start with? I, I would start with I would start with infusing the proper amount of money to pay people what they're worth to get the right people in place. As far as assistant coaches, assistant and support staff, you know, there there are support staffs throughout the country that are as deep as you know what BYU has on their on their full time assistant staff. They've got guys sitting around just waiting to work certain things and film review and 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 they're bringing in high level coaches and they're paying them good to sit back and, and evaluate film and and do things in advance scouting and all kinds of really high level stuff and and that's giving them an advantage and and also it 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 infuses the um the bank account for recruiting and getting on the trail and really spending in recruiting if you look at what Utah spins in the Pac-12 in recruiting, I, I want to say it was number two, but they don't have USC's numbers because it's privatized. I would imagine USC's probably up there, you know, extremely high. But Utah's spending and recruiting. Like 1.1, it was, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was a heavy amount. And I don't— Georgia, didn't Georgia spend over $2 million on the recruiting budget? I mean— it, Yeah, they're they're dumping money into the recruiting, and, and they're seeing the the fruits of their labor— and, and they're seeing a lot in return in that money that's spent in recruiting. Um, so if, 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 if the organization that owns BYU is generating income not taken from tithing dollars, because that's something you hear a lot down at BYU, tithing dollars are not used for the athletic program in any way, shape, or form. But if there is money available, if that gate is opened, is that a worthy use of that money for BYU? Well, in our opinion, well, in my opinion, yes. I think any anybody that is uh, kind of sports oriented, I would say yes, because you know you know what that return is. Well, you're asking the players to face this kind of competition. Shouldn't they have an equal amount of support? Right, and they and they just don't. So when you're scheduling six Power Five teams, and then you're throwing in the best team from the Mountain West Conference. 
and you're throwing in maybe the best team from the American Conference, you're asking you're asking a lot. And and you know you could probably go to Jeff Grimes or Kalani Satake or Itu Yaki, and you could probably ask them, and they're just not they're not going to admit to it because to them. They're getting paid, and their job, regardless of what they're getting paid, is to beat Michigan State next year. Is to beat. Is to find a way to beat Missouri. It, it, it's a way to find a way to beat Minnesota, a team that Minnesota is going to be one of the top five teams in the country next year. Hmm. And to them, they can't sit there and bicker and whine and complain about it. They they can't. What good is that going to do? It, it won't do anything for them. But, you know, when I'm sitting here talking to parts of Broncos staff that left and we're having in-depth conversations of, well, what's going on in the ACC as compared to, well, what was going on kind of in the latter parts uh, it, when you it, it introed into independence and and started down that path? What, you know, what are some comparisons? And you should see the blank stare on their face. It's just like... There's no, there's no comparison. Just look at the coaches' pool. You know, the assistant pool alone, and I know everybody's out there, well, it's privatized, and you don't have any idea of what they make. Well, you know, you know the right people that have left the program, and you talk to enough people that have left the program that were being paid there, and you get a pretty good sense of, of where their salaries are. This is one of the reasons Mike Leach said that he left Washington State and went to Mississippi State because the, what it was not only what he was being paid, it was what his assistants were being paid. And the pool for that was like $5 million or something. BYU's not paying its assistant coaches $5 million. Well, and, and think about what that does. Um, you know, where you're able to pay a coordinator $1.5 million. Who, who did I just see that Nick Saban is bringing into Alabama? Former Texas coach. Oh uh, yeah, Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong. Now, I, you know, Charlie Strong's had his ups and downs, but he's made a lot of money. And 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 Nick's like, well, come join our staff. You know, we'll I'll put you on salary as as an analyst. As an analyst, not a coach. It's a film analyst. And that's uh, there was a piece that's, in the athletic. That's the support staff I talked right, about. Right. That's there was a piece in the athletic last week that talked about how LSU had last year 13 analysts yeah. on their uh, directory. And we don't talk enough about Utah's support staff. Utah's built a pretty significant support staff. That they've got a nice backing and base that is really helping them with the day-to-day functioning. And and takes some of the load off of a lot of things. BYU's still running lean, man. They're still running like a middle-of-the-pack Mount West Conference team. And, you know, Gordon, you asked me, well, what can they do? Well, they can find a way to make up that $40 million gap. Because that's about what it is. It's about a $40 million revenue distribution gap. Yeah, the Pac-12 schools have some issues, but BYU has more ground to cover financially. But they may have access to some revenue streams that go beyond what some people think. But, Hans, do you think – okay, I'm going to leave the honor code out of it completely. But the Honor code's getting better, by the, the way. The, the, the way they're enforcing it? Yeah, everything about it. Hmm. Uh, they're, they're, they're working more closely with the athletic staffs and – they're working more 
understandably and more lenient with the overall student at BYU. I had a really great in-depth conversation with somebody that knows really well what's going on with Honor Code there because it's you know it's always been a absolute thorn in the bottom of my foot the way they handle that and it is getting better Gordon which it's it, that is a reassuring thing to me yeah that's, and, and, that's and, long and I also want to make this point academic and enrollment is getting better and I'm talking within this year things are opening up and BYU is understanding well, we can't make it that impossible to get into our graduate schools because now every university is going to have a one-time free transfer. And we're going to have to be able to work these transfers into our academic offices without three months of work to get one guy admitted, which happened last year. And you about lost this guy because you sat there and twiddled your thumbs because, well, we don't know if we want to admit him because we don't know if he's got that level of standards. It's like, no, no. You admit him because what he's going to do on a football field is beneficial to you. And it helps your coach that you're expecting to beat, you know, Michigan State next year. And it may even improve the abilities and study habits and opportunities for that particular individual as well. Yeah, right. Imagine that. gives them a great opportunity. Uh, I, I, I will say this. The Devontae Henry Cole thing is, is an example of BYU getting better. And, and I know it sounds like I harp on BYU, and, it's, it, and I am critical of BYU because I expect more, and I want them to be more. And I'm sick of them just well, I guess we'll just play with this six and six and seven win and maybe a four win team here and maybe an eight nine. I, I don't want that. I, don't, I want a high level, high competitive team. If you're going to schedule these teams, then you better dump every resource you can into that program to get them ready. And so I've, I've got a pretty high level of of animosity with how they're structuring things and how they're working things. But the Devonte Henry Cole example is a great instance of BYU loosening up a little bit, getting on board with each other, everybody signing off and understanding it's better to have him here and in this university, even though Devontae Henry Colt is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, even though he really does fit the, the BYU brand and mold, it was really nice to see that it was, a, it was like that. His, his, and that was graduate school. Okay, so when we come back, Hans will answer this single question, and then we'll put a wrap on the 5 o'clock hour. It is, how dare you lower the standards at BYU in order to win football games? I want you to discuss that when we come back on The Big Show. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Big time historical moment for the Utah Jazz, their fans, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and their legacies as they both take part in their first All-Star Games. There was some Stockton and Malone dynamic duo comparisons brought up. Stockton and Malone were part of 13 All-Star Games for Malone, 10 for Stockton. 10 times they played in the All-Star Game together, 9 straight. This is number 1 for Rudy and Donovan. I could see them, honest to goodness, going 9 in a row. Like 
Stockton and Malone did. Really cool that this team in this market has a chance to see a Stockton and Malone type all-star tandem being in the all-star game with each other for many, many years to come. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. You should have said no, you should have gone home, you should have thought twice before you let it all go, you should have known that word. All right, Hans, so uh, we, by the way, appreciate you sitting in today. It's been a lot of fun. We've been talking about BYU football. We talked about Utah football first, and then we spilled over into BYU football. And you talked in the last segment, great stuff, by the way, some insights about how BYU is evolving bit by bit. But what about that renic- that, that that fanatic, or I, I don't know how you want to designate Fanatic's right the, word, the person yeah. out there who's saying, ah, wait a minute, I don't want the standard at my school to be lower in any way, shape, or form, uh, even for the success on the football field or the basketball court or any sport, you would say what? So imagine a guy showing up to the doors of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and he wants to better himself, and he wants an opportunity to better himself. But you stop him at the door and you say, you know what, you're just not in the right clothes, and your hair's too long, and we can't allow you that opportunity. BYU can be an amazing transformational experience, if not transformational, at least uh, educational experience into uh, an, an amazing religion, you know, and, and it can be an opportunity for somebody that has never experienced the religion that just wants to better themselves. I want some structure. And most guys that I talk to, like Ronnie Jenkins, he came to BYU because he promised his grandma he would stay out of trouble. And, you know, there there are multiple guys. I went to BYU because I was headed down a path I didn't like. And and I wanted structure. And, and I, I really did in my heart. I desired to be better. And... I think anybody that you weren't good enough. I think I think anybody that shows up with with a certain level of academic standard. And I'm not saying that you open up the books to any 2.0 and a and a 16 on your ACT or ACT. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that you just open it up. But if he shows up with a level of standard that it would be equal to Utah or anywhere else in the Pac-12 or anywhere else in the Mount West Conference. And he's non-LDS. Maybe he's non-denominational. Maybe he's atheist. But he wants to better himself. Then it should be an opportunity for those guys. In my opinion, that's what church is all about. So in other words, that's what BYU should represent. They get better, the school gets better, and the football or basketball team gets better. Everybody gets better. Everybody gets better. Even though there might be some mistakes made. Well, if if they don't want to follow the rules, then don't come here and sign the document. That is the most tired, exhaustive, um, imperialistic, um, garbage comment you can make. You know, we all sign our name on some document, and maybe we don't achieve. Maybe we don't hit the standard. But in our hearts, we want to. Now, there are some rotten eggs. There are some bad examples. Yeah, those guys, got to get them out of there. But a lot of guys, in their heart, they want to get better. In my heart, I wanted to get better. 
I wanted to do the right thing. And you did get better. I did. Yeah, absolutely. Positively affected your life. Oh, it, it, Thanks to certain influences that, uh, and you dodged some influences that might have been negative to you. I, I will tell you that, that BYU had a positive effect on my life that I, I, I could never state. I, can, I, I can't ever explain to you how it positively influenced my life. But I will tell you that, as you mentioned, there were things along the way that nearly ruined me nearly ruined me and and my vision of what the church is supposed to be. Well, you're a great example of uh, having uh, benefited by dodging some of the negative that uh, may have knocked you right off your tracks, Hans. We've got Sean on the line for you. Sean with TridayTrading.com. And, you know, Sean, we've been talking about ways to get involved with TridayTrading.com. What's the best way for our listeners to jump in and see what TridayTrading.com is all about? Uh, best way to jump in is to go to their website, trydaytrading.com, and sign up for a webinar that they have um, pretty much every day. And then jump into the trial period, which is 10 bucks. And one thing I've got to mention that 10 bucks is the $10, they're actually donating that right now to Operation Underground Railroad. So if anybody knows about Operation Underground Railroad, like we can all get around donating money to them. So if you go to trydaytrading.com, you can sign up, watch and, and take part in the free webinar. You could jump into the demo account for $10. That all goes to charity. Mm-hmm. And you can really see what trydaytrading.com can do for you. And then, Sean, I think one of the more intriguing aspects for people is the fully funded account. Once you go through your courses and your personal coaching and you download the proprietary software, talk about that fully funded account. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about it. Somebody, they're going to teach you how to trade and then give you money to trade in the market. I don't know of anybody else who does that. But it's an amazing opportunity to be able to have somebody back you uh, through going through education and being able to put money in the market, and then you make profits off of that and split it with them. I mean, I don't know anybody else that does that. It's amazing. Go to TridayTrading.com, sign up, watch the free webinar, jump in, check out the demo account. I've done it. Scotty's done it. Alima's done it. The staff here at The Zone is very aware of what it's all about, and we really love Ryan. We love James. We love the staff there at TridayTrading.com. Sean, thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. All right, that'll wrap up another edition of The Big Show, a different edition of The Big Show with Hans Olsen himself sitting in for the vacationing Jake Scott. Hans, it's been a lot of fun having you along, man. Thanks for the good laughs and thanks for the strong opinions. Yeah, man, we love doing it. And anytime I can jump on with you, I I love to do it, Gordon. Thanks for not saying I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Is that what Jake did to you? Yeah, he did. He pooped everything. It was just... (laughs) Ah, oh, Hans, uh, come on. I don't want to talk about that. We come back from a break. Hey, welcome back. Hans and Scotty, 97.5-1280. So a couple of nights ago, Damian Lillard gets a no call, and the Jazz get a big win, and obviously it's been a huge point of discussion. Jake, what did you think about the officials missing that call? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> he really did that to you. Yeah. So uh, the XFL kicked off this weekend. Fantastic. 
opening weekend, 3.3 million viewers. You know, what did you think about? I didn't watch it. Why? Why are you asking me about the XFL? Okay. <laughs> Oh, kind of a buzzkill, oh, huh? Yeah, it was rough, man. But um, Why would anybody what? possibly care about this? <laughs> well, <laughs> what, of all the innovations you've seen, Hans, with the XFL and the, the the altered rules, have you seen anything that intrigues you? Oh yeah, man, I love the kickoff. But the problem is, is the, the NFL has every return talent in the country. And if you're a good returner, you're in the NFL. So, <laughs> you know, I it, I think that kickoff rule in the NFL would be electric because you've got some of the more dynamic returners. I really don't want to talk about that. I don't even care. Nope. <laughs> I don't even care. Um, but I think that the XFL, they're doing some interesting things. The, the problem I'm finding with the XFL, and it's something that I hate to admit, very few people care about the meat and potatoes of football. They they want the Beckham Juniors, and you know they they want the Showbiz. Patrick Mahomes, and they mm-hmm. they want the, the yeah the flash and pizzazz, and the NFL gobbles all that up. And the second the XFL flashes with that, they'll gobble him up. And the XFL, I don't think it's ever going to have the flashy talent at quarterback, at receiver, at running back, at linebacker or safety, the, the areas where you really have to have something fantastic. They just won't, they won't have Is the talent. Is it better than college football? No, not in my opinion, no. No, I think college football represents something much bigger. No, but I mean as far as the talent on the field and the oh, overall yeah. quality of play. Yeah, you could take an XFL team and beat a college any college team. So yes. so essentially the play itself is good. It's just that the connection to it is different than college because obviously yes. people have these these deep roots. Yep, exactly. Hmm. Well, Hans, uh, again, thanks for uh, sitting in. We do appreciate it. And uh, Austin, thank you for driving this boat. And Jake Scott will be back tomorrow. So we got that to look forward to. I don't want to talk about that. Why would anybody possibly care about this? See you all later.